This morning, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6, I will be preaching to you from verse 13 to chapter 7, verse 15. And we want to consider the animals on the ark this morning, a rather unusual subject. But there really is much good truth for us here. It's related to the gospel and the church of Jesus Christ and the way that God uh, works in the world and many things that uh, I'll bring to your attention here in this message. Let's bow together for prayer. Father, we thank you that uh, you do love your people and uh, by your grace you are transforming us from one degree of glory to another by your spirit. You take the truth of your word and you make it uh, practical and applicable to us uh, so that we might live our lives to you. Help us to see uh, as um, it appears in our generation that the days are evil and that the world appears to be getting uh, worse and worse in some respects. Help us to remember Noah and what Noah went through in his day and how he was faithful to you even though he was the only man on the face of the earth who had received direct word from you to do the things that he did. And so we pray that you will come to us now with power and encourage our hearts, even this day, at the great provisions that you make for your people by grace through our Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 6 and starting in verse 13. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark. And you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven of every clean animal, male and his female, two of each an of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven, each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. 
For after seven more days I will cause it to rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. So Noah with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was on the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, of all flesh, in which is the breath of life. I hope that each of us here this morning uh, loves God and praises God for his creation of the animals. They are a part of his wonderful works, which are to be remembered. They are great, and they are to be studied by all who have pleasure in them, as it says in Psalm 111, verse 2. When we think of what it really must have been like for Noah, riding on the high seas in this big ark for a year's period of time, with every species of birds and beasts and every creeping thing of the earth, we should stand amazed. What must it have been like to live with elephants and bears and crocodiles and beavers If you were Noah when you woke up in the morning, what kind of creatures would have been staring you in the face? But there's also a wonderful spiritual significance to these animals that entered the ark that applies to us here today. It applies to those who would understand the gospel and to all of us who would know the Lord our God and ourselves better. The animals entering the ark are a good picture to us of three aspects of the great way of salvation which has been worked out for us by God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's think about them together. First of all, God making a covenant with Noah included the saving of all these species of animals which went with him into the ark. Chapter 6, verses 18 to 22. Now, the study of even one creature in depth requires a great amount of time and a great deal of observation. Jonathan Edwards, I'm told, spent a great deal of time in studying spiders when he was a young man. He wrote a treatise on them and he wanted to have it published. 
In writing to the man who he wanted to have publish it, he said, Although everything pertaining to this insect is admirable, yet there are some phenomena related to them more particularly wonderful. And this is how it is with us this morning when we consider Noah and the animals with him. Everything related to what God did for them was wonderful, but some things were particularly wonderful. And when we think of what it really must have been like for Noah riding on the high seas in this ark, this big ark, for a year's period of time, when God undertook to save Noah from the judgment which he was bringing upon all flesh, God also sought to preserve everything good that he had created before to be of use to man in a continuing sense. So animals were then, and they are now, an important part of man's existence. They're a source of pleasure and profit and joy to us. They are God's good gift to us. All the animals and the birds also faced entire entirely being destroyed by the flood along with the sinfully perverse race of humanity. If God did not do something about this, this is what would happen. They would perish. So verse 18 of chapter 6 says, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons' wives, with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. So in the covenant which God established with Noah, we have seen that God promised to keep Noah and his household alive physically when he brought the judgment of the flood. And in preserving Noah's physical life, God was also declaring that he would really be saving Noah from sin. He would give eternal life to every person on that ark who believed in the promise of a Savior, the one who Noah knew as the seed of the woman from Genesis 3.15. This covenant which God made with Noah was meant to be a covenant of life in both senses to preserve his physical life and to show forth his choosing of Noah unto eternal life. His saving Noah and others of his choosing on the ark was his sovereign free choice of them as persons that they would be spared. They would be spared not only from the temporal, that is the earthly wrath of God poured out in the flood, but they would also be saved from eternal punishment in the lake of fire. So God intended in this judgment to picture the judgment of the flood to picture the last judgment, the final judgment upon all the ungodly uh, for their sins. And this covenant with Noah pictures God's covenant, I'm saying, with all of his elect people, that God would show mercy to them based upon what Jesus Christ would do to bear our sins in his body on the tree all the sins of all of his people. And Christ would live the perfect life of obedience so that they, that is us, everyone who believes in Christ, 
could be righteous. Jesus would die the sacrifice for their sins, and his person and his work would become an ark, as it were, of refuge from the wrath of God, in which they would be raised to eternal life. Benjamin Keach says in his book, Preaching on the Types and Metaphors of the Bible, that Noah built an ark according to the commandment of God, so Christ, in building his church, did everything according to the commandment received from his Father. But you'll notice that the preservation of life, the life of these animals, two of every sort, male and female, was entrusted to Noah to keep them alive. Why was this? Well, I believe that beyond the obvious fact that someone had to take care of them, that we have in Noah a picture of what Christ is in covenant to his church. These animals would come to Noah to be fed by him. They would be sustained by his care. They would be preserved alive and they would be delivered from the wrath of God and the judgment of this flood. And all of this because Noah was righteous and cared for them. Noah was an earthly savior, if you will, to them. Christ is the real and true and actual savior of all men and especially of those who believe. Sinners come to Jesus and they're fed and they're nourished by his good word. They're sustained by his loving care. They're given righteousness and strength to live the Christian life. And all this is based on the covenant of grace between the Father and the Son. So spiritual truth in pictures and types, I'm trying to show you, goes far beyond the obvious, physical, literal sense of things. It was given to us in plentiful abundance in the Old Testament so that Christ would be understood in a better sense by the people who lived before the coming of Christ. They were given for us as well in New Testament times to illustrate for us the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we might believe. And we should not be afraid to set forth the reasonable spiritual reasons for why animals of all kinds should be brought into the ark. We need to understand, second, that God has given us a picture here in these animals which entered the ark of the kinds of sinners that he saves and brings into the church. Chapter 7 and verses 1 to 3, verse 2 says, You shall take with you seven, each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two of each of the animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Also seven, each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of the earth. So the ark is a type of Christ, and everyone in him is saved. But his church, which is saved by being in him, is composed of men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. It's composed of people of all kinds. All kinds are, if you will, species of men, high-born, low-born, uh, intellectual people, barbarians, male and female. And all these are pictured for us so well, I'm trying to show to you typically by the animals of the ark. How can this be proved, you say to me? Well, if you'll turn with me over to Acts chapter 10, I will show you this. When the gospel first came to Gentiles, 
it came through Peter's seeing a vision. And uh, God was going to save a very devout man named Cornelius. And when he gave Cornelius a vision through an angel in verses 4 to 6 of Acts chapter 10, God, through the angel, said to him that his prayers and his alms had come up for a memorial before God, and that he was going to send men, he should send men to Joppa and send for Peter, and Peter would tell him what he must do, that is, what he must do to be saved. And then in Acts 10, verse 11, we find Peter also uh, falling into a trance and having a vision. He saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to himself, let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again a second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. So we see here that the same kind of animals that entered the ark are also being represented in Peter's vision as all kinds of Gentile peoples. Those who are going to be taken in the gospel net, as it were, and be saved. So the church is to be composed of sinners of all kinds. Clean and unclean shall come into the ark, and clean and unclean shall come in come to Christ for salvation. So the unclean animal is a picture of a person who is a great sinner before the Lord. His nature is wild and seemingly untamable. He's the kind of person that many people think is the only kind of sinner who needs to be saved. He is a snake in his subtlety. He's wild and uncontrollable as a bull. He's stubborn as a mule. He's cunning as a fox. And in the world of men and women, there are as many varieties of sinners as there are species of animals. Everyone has their own particular temperament and inclination to particular sins. Listen to Jeremiah 46 and verses 20 and 21. Egypt is a very pretty heifer, but destruction comes. It comes from the north. Also her mercenaries are in her midst like fat bulls, for they also are turned back. And then in Psalm 22, verse 12, you hear David speaking prophetically not only of himself, but of Christ when he says, Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. And verse 16, For dogs have surrounded me. And verses 20 and 21, Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns 
of the wild oxen. So we need to ask ourselves, were there lions and dogs, wild oxen and bulls at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? No, not literally. But there were men there that day who were acting in their sinfulness in ways that made the psalmist think of those animals and prophetically make mention of them and their species. This is why Jesus Christ had to be made by God the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As you and I walk through this life, we should understand how very sinful some people are. There are some people who have a swinish nature. There are people who are not necessarily people that we would choose to associate with. There are people whose natures are like animals and they are an abomination to the Lord. Remember the words of Jesus, do not give what is holy to dogs nor cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Matthew 7, 6. But the Great Commission at the end of Mark's Gospel says, Go into the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe shall be damned. Therefore, we can conclude, we can conclude that the ark of Christ's salvation will have all kinds of animals come into it. That is, there will be many great and awful sinners who are going to be saved. And God also had Noah bring clean animals into the ark as well as unclean. And he was saying by this that there will be many people who will be quite culturally refined and moral people who will also be saved. They won't be saved by their morality or their decency or even by the best of their good works. They will only be saved when they realize that the best of their good works will not save them. So the natural bent I'm trying to tell you of people who are moral is that they are really quite inclined to decency and morality. And they, yet they will only be brought into the ark of Christ's grace by the Lord's calling them and helping them to enter into the ark as these animals were helped into the ark. Let's think about the parents, moral parents of children. They teach them right from wrong. They teach their children uh, to love the Lord. They uh, teach the Lord, they teach their children to try to please them by doing what they're asking them to do in so many different things. And uh, most of the children of parents like this will love to please their parents. The children will even love to be compliant most of the time. That is, they go along with what things their parents are telling them that they should do. As it says in Proverbs 30, verse 24, there are four things which are little on the earth, 
but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, and yet they prepare their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a feeble folk, and yet they make their homes in the crags. The locusts have no king, and yet they all advance in ranks. The spider skillfully grasps with its hands, and it is in king's palaces. So from these qualities of these creatures, you can see that Solomon is trying to point out what people should be like. They should be wise, even though they are little. They should be frugal, even though they are weak. They should be prudent, uh, even though uh, they need help at various points, various times. They should be skillful to obtain that great privilege of being in king's palaces, uh, it says here. So locusts are clean creatures, it says in Leviticus 11, verse 22. And here it says that they all advance in ranks, even though they have no king. But see how much even fine, skillful people need the Lord to save them. See how much they still need the grace of Christ to find a change in their nature that they will need to be able to please God and submit to his laws. They must come through the door into the ark of Christ. They must come and take refuge in the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ because their self-righteousness will never be enough. Christ's merits alone will save them from wrath and make them pure. And that's why they must come into the ark of Christ's finished work that he has done on their behalf. And then third, God shows us how he brings sinners to himself in this passage, chapter 7, verses 13 to 16. As you think about this passage that we are studying, how do you suppose it was that all of these animals, clean and unclean, came to find themselves going up the gangplank and through the big door and into the ark. I think that we must conclude that they were all drawn there by God's Holy Spirit in spite of what they were by nature. I want you to follow me in this. Uh, all of these animals appear to have come into the ark in the last seven days before the flood. And none of the great men of renown of that day came in. And none of the beautiful women of that day came in. And none of the culturally correct children of the giants came. Uh, perhaps they were all laughing and amazed by all of the creatures that were walking up the gangplank and going into the ark. All of these animals, all of the species of animals that were coming into the ark, all that God directed to come into the ark, they were drawn to the ark and they were drawn to go into the ark even. The animals were probably amazed themselves I am thinking that they, creatures of the air or forest, were entering the ark, and here they come marching two by two. You remember that song that we used to sing? 
the ants go marching two by two, hurrah, hurrah. Remember that you used to sing that when you were a kid? Well, can you imagine all these different species of animals all coming up into the ark? It must have been a magnificent sight. It should have given everyone who was looking at it pause, who didn't know the Lord, to think that maybe they should have listened to the preaching of Noah, but they did not. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 29, it says that there are three which are majestic in their pace. Yes, four which are stately in their walk. A lion which is mighty among beasts and does not turn away from any. The strutting cock, the male goat also, and a king whose troops are with him. Well, all of these, except the last, that is the king whose troops were with him, came marching up majestically into the ark because God drew them there. He sovereignly overrode their instincts to be afraid, their instincts to proudly resist and stay in the woods or up in the sky or in the marsh, and he drew them with his Spirit's mighty power. He caused them to desire to come into that great door of the ark. They never would have come into that ark unless God had changed their perception of what they naturally would have wanted or done. And the same is true of any person who comes to Jesus Christ for salvation. If you ever come to Christ... It must be because he has shown you by nature that you, that you by nature, you do not really want to come. By nature, you will not come into the ark of salvation, which is Christ, but the wooing of the Spirit in God's effectual call will bring you to come to Jesus Christ. John six forty four. No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, you may be a very nice person, a very moral person. You may have been that way for many years, but it will only be by God's grace and by God's drawing you that you will come into the ark Come through the door, which is Jesus Christ, into the ark of Jesus Christ, his finished work. Now, you may have attained to great heights of culture and refinement. And still, every bird outside the ark had no place to rest, no place to land during that year when the flood was upon, the floodwaters were upon the earth. So if you have never come to Christ before, will you not come now? Come through the door of Jesus Christ and into the ark of Jesus Christ today, for he is your refuge from the wrath that is coming. And I pray that God will lead you in this blessed way that every true Christian has found, because every sinful person seeking salvation will most certainly find it when their eyes have been opened to see the door 
and be drawn to move towards it. About 18 years ago, I first put up my first bird feeder in my yard for feeding hummingbirds. I guess I didn't really expect that they would come. I put the mixture of sugar and water into the feeder. Then I put the red food coloring in it to attract them. I wondered if they would come. To my astonishment, after just a few minutes, there was a little female ruby-throated hummingbird feeding at it. And within half an hour after I put it up, there were others feeding at it as well. When I first put up the feeder, and when the first little bird flew up, Jenny was busy reading a little booklet on hummingbirds. Perhaps she remembers this. I said to her, is that a hummingbird? Because it was at some distance away from our window. And she kept reading as if to say, don't bother me, I'm reading this. I said, is, is this a hummingbird that's out there on the feeder? And she looked over and sure enough, it was. And I, this is a good illustration of how any of us can be when we are hoping that people will come to Christ through our preaching or our sharing the gospel with them. Sometimes we will focus all of our attention on the book and we don't look to see if the bird is feeding when we have spoken to them and talk to them about Christ. Sometimes people really are interested in hearing the gospel because they're being drawn to Christ. So I'm trying to tell you that we should learn to preach and share the truth about Christ, about his perfect obedience and his precious blood that can save them from all their sins. And we need to pray then that some will be attracted by the blood of his cross, what he has done for sinners, and that they will come and feed on the sweet nectar of the gospel and be saved. May each of us here, even if we are animals in our sin, come into the ark and be saved. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this passage of scripture. We see how merciful you were to Noah and his family, and even to all the animals that came into the ark when the time had come. And we pray that we would see how special a thing it is to hear the gospel and to receive you, the Christ of the gospel, Lord Jesus. Help us to be those who, even as we see people around us who are awful animals in their sin, help us to be able to still find good ways to talk to them and share with them the truth. Uh, perhaps even telling them something about this text of Scripture and how they too might be drawn, even as these animals were, into the ark and thus were saved. Help us to be those who think about these things and think about how we might share the truth with others around us. In Jesus' name, amen.